guys, welcome back to my channel for another episode of Porn Star Confessions. Today I've got Eden Daniel. Ugh. Let me start that over again. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel for another episode of Porn Star Confessions. Today I have got Eden Daniels, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, how long have you been in this industry for now? I've been in the industry kind of on the underbelly since I was like in my early teens um but I've been in the porn industry for like the last three years okay yeah what do you mean when you say underbelly I'm assuming I know what you mean but just to clarify I've been in sex work since I was probably 14 oh Jesus okay and I'm assuming we're talking about, like, Craigslist and shit back then. Craigslist was the only way. Fuck. How old are you now? I'm 30. 30. Okay. So let's start. How did you get into sex work? Let's start at the 18-year mark. Yeah, let's let's go there. Um, right. I, I was told from a pretty young age um, to find my hustle. And I learned that... Uh, sex sells and I learned quickly and then I saw on Craigslist um that I could like sell underwear and that uh people were looking to hire um guys and all that so I was like if I can make money I'm gonna do that okay so all right who get, first gave you the idea, though? There had to be someone that was just, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just, I don't at least for me personally, like, someone had to be like, by the way, you can do this, you know what I mean? It was actually, uh, like, um, I'm going to call him a predator. Um, he, I, um, I was in a situation where I was being paid off to be quiet. And that's where the idea really came about was like, Oh, I can make money doing this. And so blackmail really. Jesus. And I'm assuming this was prior to consensual. Oh yeah. Okay. And when did it change into something more business oriented, like when you were 18? Um, honestly, I, uh, I've always had kind of a business mindset. And, um, when I started seeing how lucrative it was, is when I set like the tone um but i i was never very good at at the business side of it because i had addiction and so it was very much like whatever i just need money now um and then i got sober and now i run it like it's a business gotcha so is your addiction something you're comfortable talking about? Oh, yeah. When did that start and to what? And, you know, if you could walk through that whole thing. My addiction started when I was, like, 15. Um, yeah. Shit. I came from a, a long line of addiction. And um, I it was my freshman year of high school, and I started to dabble. And then dabbling turned into a 12-year-long addiction that... Um, I mean, I, I never saw myself getting out of, I was pretty comfortable in it. And then, um, so you said dabble, like dabbling with what? Cause addiction can be anyone. Yeah. Um, first I started out with like prescription pills and alcohol and then it went from that to, I, I grew up in a little river farm town, um, and it went to meth, and then I 
moved to Denver and it turned into cocaine and pills, but it was always at the core of it was always prescription pills mixed with some sort of stimulant. Jesus. So correct me if I'm wrong. I, I've never been addicted to anything. Like when you say dabbling, like I've, I've always believed that that's how most people fall into addiction. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like they love to think, you know, cause there's drug addicts everywhere and you know, there's so many cautionary tales, but did you find yourself thinking like, Oh, it won't happen to me. I'm different. I won't get addicted. Like, did you have that? No, no, because I grew up knowing that was part of my like chemical makeup. Um, both of my parents were addicts and I knew, I knew the, um, consequences of what I was doing. The main thing for me and for a lot of other drug addicts is like, I need to stop feeling this way and I need to forget about these things that have happened to me. So let me try this. And, and that's, that's that was my main thing was like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I was running from trauma, running from, um, my sexuality, like just trying to, um, make myself feel differently and find a way to fit in with other people. So then the sex work just came like, became a way to fuel that addiction yeah basically a way to fuel the addiction and honestly another addiction for me um because i mean when you're young dumb and broke it's like there are only so many ways and i sure as hell didn't want to be a drug dealer so it was like let me use um my looks and my talents to um pay for this addiction and pay for my friends addictions so so basically everything became about now what can i get right now like you basically only saw right here like what's when you were going through that what was the longest term you ever thought just right now and So basically, in my addiction, for me, it was like, right now, and what happened before. So let's run away from whatever's happened, and let's get fucked up right now, so that we don't have to deal with later on. Does that make sense? You weren't even thinking a week in advance. No. No, I never dreamed that I would live to be 30. Poor shit. And honestly... wasn't interested for a really long time. Why? I I had this preconceived notion of what life looked like. And for someone like me who came out of like poverty and trauma and um, just a life of like misery, I never wanted to go very far like I just wanted to get that day over with and hope that like the next day I could either like go in peace or get more fucked up than I was the day before holy shit dude that's just it's dark I just, I can't even imagine feeling like that. Like, fuck. And, you know, it's it's wild to me because I've been clean now for almost four years. And um, I've actually, I've been off of, like, hard drugs for the last six years. And then I finally got completely sober, like, no mind-altering substances um, almost four years ago. And it's so, it's still so, like, fresh in my mind of what that life looks like that anytime I even think about like any of any of the past or like think about getting fucked up. It's literally like 
like I can feel it in my gut, that feeling of like misery and hopelessness that I'm like, oh no, that's not for me. I'm, I can't go back there. So what was the, 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 what was the straw that broke the camel's back to end all that? You know, honestly, like when I decided to get clean in 2017, I was done. Like, um, I weighed like 98 pounds. My hair had fallen out. Um, I, I had nothing. And, um, I was, I was really at peace with that just being the end. And I had a hookup from Grindr that was like a counselor in a treatment center that was like, Hey, there are options for you out here. And at first I was like, get fucked, man. Like, I'm just trying to fuck and you're doing too much. Like, just shut up. And after he left, it started to like ruminate in my mind. Like, what could these options even be? Because I have no money. I have like no insurance. And I'm so far out right now that there's no way. And, um, my mom was actually like working a program and she had to pick me up out of a really bad situation one time. And she was like, have you considered going to treatment? And I was like, well, I've, I've thought about it, but I don't have insurance. I can't pay for treatment. And, um, so it was really just like a series of events that got me there. And next thing I knew she had like hired an interventionist that um, got me into a treatment center. They let me in on a full ride scholarship. And um, I flew to California and started to detox and withdraw. And I thought that my problems were pills and meth. It, I, I never really considered that like I was an alcoholic or um, anything of the sort. And then I drank for a year and a half. And I noticed that I was just strung out again on alcohol. So I went to treatment again and um, I decided that everything I ever knew was wrong and everything I had ever told myself was wrong and that whatever these people told me to do, I would go ahead and try it because I didn't have anything to lose. Um, and I did that. And... I moved to Nashville and ever since then I've just been clean and sober. And also like my main thing is to like help other um, people in the LGBT community to also get out of that way of life because it's so prevalent in our community that if I can help someone, especially in this business, then that's, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, I've been like homeless and, um, suicidal and homicidal and all of those things. And I know how far addiction and alcoholism can take you. So yeah, I just, I just help other people and, and that seems to fulfill my life really. Why do you think, like, meth and drugs are so rampant in the gay community? We're all so hurt. Everyone is so hurt and so ashamed of who we are or where we come from or what we have that, like, everyone's just trying to either fit in or numb something. And shame, like, all of this shame comes with our community that doesn't have to be, but it's what society has like bred into us is like, you cannot be this way. If you are this way, you should be ashamed of yourself. And people just want to numb that feeling. And then of course, like you go to the clubs and, and I worked in the, I worked in the gay bars for years. You go to the clubs and there are drugs there and there's alcohol there and you feel already like an alien. So you drink or you get fucked up. And then next thing you know, you have friends, but those friends also get fucked up. So then it's just an endless cycle of everyone's getting fucked up. 
everyone's getting fucked up so that they can fuck, and and it just never stops. Like, when you were, like, getting close to the end, like, did you find, like, your time getting fucked up was less and less enjoyable? Where you're just like, fuck this. Like, I just don't want to feel like this anymore. Like, It wasn't enjoyable for me for years. It was, like, in my teens... And maybe my early 20s, like the first couple years of my 20s, like, yeah, I I had some good times, but I also was like overdosing and going to jail and um, losing people and fighting and like, it was never, like it was fun at first, but for years until I finally decided that it was over for me. I was not having a good time. I was just miserable and surrounding myself with miserable people so that I could stay high. But if it's not fun, if it's not enjoyable, like why would you keep doing that? You can't stop. Like what? just playing devil's advocate, like what happens if you stop? Um, well, depending on what your drug of choice is, like, the withdrawals are incredible. Um, the mental anguish that detoxing, especially from meth, is agonizing. Your, your mind will convince you of things that are not true, that, like... You are dying. Everyone around you is dying. People are out to get you. And you have, like, there's no hope for you. So to stop is to, like, anguish, really. It, there's no, there's no hope. Like, you can't visualize any hope for yourself. And then you're high again sometimes, and you're like, you see that again. Like, oh, I, I should stop this. If I stop this, I could have this, that, and the third. But then as soon as you start to detox or withdraw again, you're sick. You're sick in the mind. You're sick in the body. You're sick in the spirit. Fuck. Damn. That, so I'm guessing this is not an experience you'd wish on your worst enemy. Oh, my God. No. And even when I was in my active addiction in these new people, especially new gay boys would come around, I'd be like, get fucked. Like, I don't want to hang out with you. You're sure not doing any of my dope. So how about you go find somebody else to do it with? Don't spend your mommy and daddy's money on my shit. So like that addiction, that's what was fueling you to blackmail people and all that other shit. You know, no. The blackmailing thing for me was I was sexually abused by the same man for so long that he started to get nervous and was like, here's some money, um, you know, go do this. Here's some money, go do that. Here's some money, don't tell. And that was part of my trauma that sent me to my addiction. Damn. That man prison for the rest of his life. So. So. You go through all the treatment and everything. Is that the only time you went through it was for the drugs and then for the alcohol? No, there were times um, where I would get arrested and be court ordered to do like a drug program or um, anger management, or have to withdraw in jail. Um, And then there were times where I got too strung out on one substance and thought that I needed to dry out, and I would go to a detox facility and, and dry out, but I would just go to another substance and...
because that was safe for me. Like I didn't, I can't do this, but maybe I could do that successfully. So little, little bits and pieces here where I would like put in half-ass effort to. But this was all prior to you getting clean. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, no, I I get that. Cause if you don't want to get clean, you're not going to get clean. No. Correct. So, you finally got, I guess, sick of your own shit, right? And you're like, fuck this. Let's get our act together. Then what? Like, where do you go from there? All right, so you get out, you're clean. Then what? What's wild to me is that, like, a lot of people um, in the program of AANA say, you know, I got clean so that I could get my life back. I started so young that I never had a life, so there was no life for me to get back. So I had to start from the ground up and decide what life for me looked like, what I wanted it to look like, and and I just started building. Um, I stopped sex work for a long time, and I started to try to figure out what exactly life looked like for me um, and who I was. I had no idea who I was. I just knew that. And honestly, like I'm grateful for that today because I had no real preconceived notions of what life was supposed to look like. So I just started like taking little bits of little bits and pieces and putting together a life for myself. And today, like my life is real cool. Um, and I never, like, this is not what I pictured for myself because I never thought that I would make it this far. So what did you do for work? Like, because you said you walked away from sex work. Mm-hmm. Um, Which? I was a bartender and a server for, like, two years. Um, and I, I really thought that I was done with sex work. Um, I didn't think that I would ever go back. And then it's like something that is like, you know, the Sims things that hang above people's, the little Sim characters' heads? God, it's been like 30 years since I've played that game. Little green pendulums that that like float above their heads. That's what I feel like a lot of sex workers have above them. Like people can spot one from a mile away. And so I'm still getting messages and inquiries on social media. And granted, like all of my social media has always been very thirsty. Um, So people were in my DMs and I'm like, no, Eden Daniels is retired. And then um, I don't know really what made me decide to say yes to someone. And I still remember this man like exactly... I remember his name and um, I was like, okay, like, sure. And I set my booking fee of what I thought it should be and not what I needed and, and off to the races again. So back up for a minute. This is my understanding. Please, by all means, correct me if I'm wrong. But, like, I know a lot of people who have struggled with meth addiction and they have to stop having sex completely or seriously curtail their sex life because for them, sex is kind of like the catalyst that it almost becomes impossible for them to have sex without, like, okay, we're having sex. Now I need meth. Like, was that, did that factor into your decision? No, um, I've always been a very sexual being, um, and I think what, and and I could be wrong, but I think what separates my addiction from my sexual appetite is that when I started, um, doing drugs, I wasn't even out of the closet, so I was partying with people I went to high school with and and sex and drugs weren't necessarily like um cohabitating yet so I 
was doing drugs with my friends and hooking up with guys like in secret or whatever. So I wasn't doing drugs with hookups and I wasn't, they just didn't go together. So after I got clean, I did have a time where I was like, who am I sexually? What am I like? Like, am I actually this pig or am I, you know, in the dark under the sheets type of guy? And it didn't take me long to see that like, oh no, like still, still nasty. And, um, I like to fuck. So it didn't really, I didn't have that issue, but some of these guys that I'm sponsoring, um, some of these guys that I'm helping get off the streets or, you know, get clean are, are really struggling with that. They can't separate the two and they end up shacked up in a cockroach motel, you know, doing meth with some dude they're not even attracted to. So what made you walk away from sex work then? Was it just like the abundance of being cash rich? I I had this reservation um, and this shame around sex work because that's what society told me to feel. And I felt like, and also for the majority of my life, the sex work I was doing was for pennies on the dollar. And... And then you start getting these like music artists and things started to become more mainstream. And I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe my shame is actually around fucking for like these little bits of money rather than separating it into a business and charging what I, what I feel I'm worth. And let me try it this way. So I, I separated that shame and cause I feel like morals and ethics are subjective and you know, as long as you're not hurting anyone else, then who the fuck is anyone to say like, you're wrong for this. Uh, okay. So that's what I, that's what I decided. And I set my booking fee and I decided like, I will not be sleeping with junkies. I will not be accepting less than I've asked for. I will not be, you know, um, there will be no disrespect. Like this is how I'm going to run my business. And if you don't like it, then that's on you. I don't need your money, but I do want it. I think you hit the nail on the head though. And I think that's where a lot of sex workers go wrong is the second they put themselves in a position where they need the money to pay rent tomorrow or to pay this or to pay that, that's when they start compromising their boundaries and their limits and then crash and burn. Yeah. And and to me, that's the difference between like survival sex work and like successful sex work, because I've been, I've been, doing both like I've done both so today like and I'll tell people like I don't know who the fuck you think you are but I don't need your money um and it sounds to me like you need it more than I do so I just don't compromise I'm not willing to do that and um my life is better for it absolutely so you started getting back into escorting that's all going good. How do you transition to porn? I had done, uh, I had done like some webcam stuff when I was too young to do webcam stuff and saw that I could make money. And then the pandemic happened and, um, everyone was starting an OnlyFans. And I already had this like, giant archive of videos because filming was one of my things. Like I like to cruise and film. So I was like, okay, like, let me try this OnlyFans thing. 
and it blew up. And then I had a friend that was like, hey, you should take it to the next level. Here's like a list of porn stars that you should film with. And um, I don't know how you feel about like name dropping, but like one of the first porn stars to film with me was a big deal. And he was so nice and decided like to set aside time to film with me. And I was like moved by that. I was like, oh, okay. Like we're all just regular people trying to make it in an industry. So I went from there and I started filming with more people. And then I signed with an agent and started getting booked. And I was like, oh, oh, fuck. Like I'm a porn star. Like I, it, I really didn't mean to be. I was just trying to make a little bit more money than what the government was paying me during the pandemic. And, um, my pigotry prevailed. Oh, that's awesome. So, it, what I find incredibly fascinating about your story is, like, I, I always wonder that, like, you, you're familiar with the, you know, what came first the chicken or the egg type thing and it's almost like I, I wonder what you would say it was for you because you know stereotypically when your average person thinks of a porn star they think like oh this person must be a drug addict or an alcoholic or a train wreck or just like a dumpster fire right and it's like did they get into porn because they were that person or did they get into porn and then porn made them that person and the thing is, that stereotype's not even true, like, half the time. So, would you say that porn has enriched your life? Um, porn has taken me to places and introduced me to people that, like, I never would have put myself... Like, I never would have put myself in these places or situations. And it took me getting my life together and getting my mind right to be where I am in this industry... And um, I consider myself, like, the people's porn star. Like, I started off as a fan of most of these people who, some of which are my friends now, that I, like, I'm still so regular. Like, just I'm just a dude out here. I love to fuck, and I, like, I'm sober, and I do all these things, but, like, also, people recognize me when I'm out, and I'm still flattered. Has doing porn, like, has ever, ever raised any concerns with you as far as, like, I wonder if this is going to affect my sobriety, or do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, um, I mean, the thought crosses your mind, or my mind, but, like, the thing is, is I don't put myself in bad situations. Not that bad situations don't still pop up, but I, I find that for the most part, you're going to find what you're looking for. And if you're looking for a bad situation, then you will find bad situations. Um, I have found that there are so many porn stars, sex workers, strippers, everything that are like sober, that are working a program that are thriving. And, um, and those are the people that I flock to. And those are the people that like help me and that I can also help. And I've even helped people that I filmed with get sober. Like, I think that once, once I got my mind right, and once I got my life together, I stopped worrying so much and stopped and started to wonder, like, where can I be of use here and what serves me? And, um, and I, I have found people in this industry and in my life in general that um, lift people up rather than, you know, suck people in. Yeah, no, for sure. 
I'm curious, what do you attribute your uh, lasting sobriety to? Because it's almost like cliche, like you hear about the person where it's like they go to rehab, they get sober, six months later they relapse, and it's just like this over and over and over and over. Like, what do you think you did differently that those people aren't doing? Part of it is um, I'm stubborn, uh, and and I like at this point I would be embarrassed to relapse. Another part of it is that um, my life is too good today to go back, and I work. A rigorous program I help other people um, helping other people in community for me are huge and I surround myself with people who are either um, in recovery or um, normal people that don't take it too far I still I still believe that you can do club drugs and drink recreationally but I cannot do that. It's not in it's not in my makeup. So I just I attribute it to really the program like the program of like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, um, because I found people there that um were like me and um that like taught me how to help myself, but also taught me how to help other people. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's amazing because, I mean, I've, I've read the, the statistics on meth and like the addiction rate off of one try and the likelihood of getting your life back together. It's fucking depressing. Like that drug just, God. Not even once. And it, you know, for me, like, relapse is a part of my story, but um, once I got it, I got it. And I'm, I'm not naive. I know that, like, something could go wrong and I could go back. But I see these beautiful men out here that have it all and keep going back and keep going back and keep going back and that's another reason why I don't is because every time they come back to recovery they're beat down a little harder they're you know like I just it, nothing has changed out there except for it's more reckless than it was before yeah. so what is your life like now? Like, my life today is like, I I fuck bitches and make money. <laughs> I uh, I travel. Um, I have my own place, like a mile from downtown. I um, I have people in my life today that, um don't mooch off of me or want to see me fail. Um, I'm happy and uh, my life is rich and I do what I want and I don't fuck with nobody else. And um, I hustle and I have found that um, as long as I generally, if I'm minding my own business and doing what I'm supposed to do, then I'm, I'm being successful. Don't do dumb shit. Don't do dumb shit. Mind your own fucking business. I'm curious. I, I heard something the other day on Instagram, and I, I really liked it. But everyone's familiar with, like, a downward spiral, right? Like, your fucking girlfriend cheats on you, you lose your job, whatever, and then just kind of... Would you say the same thing is true for you, especially with your story of an upward spiral? Oh, yeah. So, good happens and then it just and you know maybe maybe it's that i'm so familiar with a downward spiral that like i was able to flip it upside down but 
Um, yeah, for sure. My life today is, is an upward spiral and, um, and, and it shows, um, in the things I have and who I am and the people I surround myself with, like, I, uh, I do it. So would you say that your friend group and the people you associate with and all that stuff's changed? Oh, yeah. As far as your life before and your life now? I've always been kind of a loner. Um, and, and I still am. But I do have a group of friends now that um, every, everyone in my friend group is sober. Um, and, you know, there's this, there's this like thing when you get into recovery where you go from like spiritually bankrupt to spiritually fit. And the people I surround myself with today are not miserable. They have their own shit. Um, and they have like actual feelings, conversations, love, um, it, it's a, it's a whole different ball game from being completely isolated in, in the country, only surrounding myself, um, when I had to with people that were, um, sideways and dark-sided to surrounding myself with people who genuinely want the best for me and know that I genuinely want the best for them. Oh, that's awesome. So, would you agree with the, there's a hundred variations thing, but I'm sure you've heard some variation of you are the people, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I, so my thing is like, I would rather have four quarters than a handful of pennies. And I have my four quarters and those four quarters are like the good ones. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't fuck with those pennies unless those pennies want to become quarters. No, yeah. uh, I think I think the the people you choose to hang around with says a lot about you, and it definitely because a lot of people I don't think truly understand or appreciate that. Like they hang out with losers all day, and then they wonder why they're a loser. And you're just like, dude, really? Like, well, and you know, <laughs> for me, it's like I want to surround myself with people who are winning. But also, you can come into my life a loser, but want to be better, and me and my people will help you do that. We will help you be better. I I didn't come into, you know, the people that are in my life today on a winning streak. Like, I didn't come in here, you know, like, when I moved to Nashville, I drove a $350 car. I lived in, like... A halfway house with 12 other dudes and I, I didn't have shit so those you know the people in my life today built me up and gassed me up and loved me for the fucking nutcase that I am because I'm nuttier than a squirrel turd and just loved me until I could learn to love myself and now, now you can't tell me nothing. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a good I feel thing. Like you go either way. Yeah. So, are you dating right now, or no? no? I'm not really willing to. Um, You're not willing to what? Compromise. And relation relationships take compromise. And there's really no aspect of my life right now that I would be willing to compromise. Um, so for now it's just me and, um, I am at peace with that. No, I think that's awesome. I, I think if anything, I applaud you for that. Cause 
I feel like a lot of people aren't honest with themselves about what they can do and what they can't do. And they're not, you know, so they end up putting themselves in dangerous situations, whatnot. So if you know you're straight up not capable of something, if you don't put yourself in it, my hat's off to you. Good for you for knowing yourself. And you know what I mean? It really took me some time to be comfortable with just myself. Um, because there are so many people in this world that are willing to compromise their peace for chaos just so they can have someone in their bed. And I am really just not about that life. And I'm attracted to toxic men. Um, the, the sooner you get out of prison is when I want you to move into my home. So like, I'm trying to you know, gather myself and love myself. And then one of these days, if someone comes into my life that has their shit together and um, adds to my peace and my serenity, then I I may be willing to get into a relationship. Yeah. Hey, your critical self-evaluation, self-awareness is, is impressive. Thank so- you. What do you like off camera? Like, who are you as a person now? Like, what makes you tick? What What are you passionate about? Like, all the non-sexual stuff. I um, I'm passionate about helping other people. I'm passionate about. Um, I'm a plant person. I travel. I um. I love music. I am a family person. Um, and I love to fuck like what, what I love about this industry is that all it is, is me doing something that I love to do and profiting from it. So all of those years that I just fucked for free and like, I think about that and I'm like, I should have been doing this my whole life. So now that I'm on, you know, upward climb, it's like, I just want to show my fans, um, like I really do, like I am the people's porn star. I really just want to invite people into my sexual adventures and like make fantasies realities. And I feel like I can do that without being disingenuous. And for the most part, all of the people that I've filmed with so far, like, have been pretty organic, like, hot fucks. And don't get me wrong, every now and then you run into one where you're like, what the fuck? You know, you you have to, um... Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's funny. Um, I'm curious, did you have sex more often before doing porn or after porn? I ask everyone this. I've always had a lot of sex. So, I I mean, more now, I guess, probably. Now that I, like, don't live in the middle of nowhere and I live in a metropolitan <coughs> area where um, there's an abundance, like, yeah, I guess I do fuck more now. That has more to do with geography than... Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Many so, successful creators here in Nashville. Really? There's a handful of us, but not like it's not a mecca for. Yeah. So, what is sex with you? How is it different on camera versus off camera? Because there's always a difference. It's just very. Um. I, there's not really a difference with me. Like, unless I'm hired to to be the straight man, um, which has happened, and um, what a ride it was, um, then it's pretty much who I am. Like, there's no real difference in what I fuck on camera and the way I fuck in my bed. There's no difference even in the positions? No. Really? No. 
Wow, okay. So, if you could have sex in only two positions for the rest of your life, what would they be? Okay, so as a bottom, I want to be on my back, um, you standing. Okay. At the top, I want... Um, so, I... I'm a I'm a cruising pig. I like public sex. Um, Legit position. Like bent over. Doggy. Yeah, oh, yeah. But doggy to me is like on all fours. I just want to like bend you over and have you hold on to something. While uh, okay, I, okay. you know. Yeah. So any type of bend over. Mm-hmm. Can be standing. All right. Aren't you afraid, though, of getting caught? Yeah, that's part of the thrill. Fuck that, dude. Me, personally, with my luck, I'd wind up on the sex offender registry the first goddamn time. Fuck. Hell no. You could not pay me enough to do that shit. Baby, I'm fast as fuck. They're going to have to catch me first. Hell no. I wouldn't do Nope. There's no way. There is, you know, and, and like, no bullshit, there is that risk that I am very aware of. But, um, so far, I have not been to jail and, um, don't plan. That was one thing when I got sober is like, I never want to go to jail again. I, first of all, I'm only 5'6 and I weigh like 130 pounds. So, jail is really not for me. Um, and I ain't going back ever for nothing. So you can catch me in the shadows when I'm cruising. I'm like decking and diving. Jesus. So how do you find most of your uh, video partners? Is it just through like Twitter? Or? Yeah. Um, now, when I first started it, I had to put work in to hunt people down. And, and like I said, there was a a really popular creator that helped me in the beginning and, um, two really. And, um, now that I have content out there and a following people reach out to me. Um, and when I, when I travel, I always reach out to creators in other cities that I'm a fan of. And, um, I film with them. As long as booty booties. I don't think a lot of people, though, I, I've never actually talked about that component um, on one of these interviews before, but I don't think a lot of people understand what that's like, because I've never forgotten. Because, like, now, yeah, I've got an inbox full of people who want to shoot me fuel, fly or shoot me, no problem. But in the very beginning, I remember what that was like being joe blow nobody and you'd send out 50 fucking dms and maybe get one response like and you just have to take anyone you could get and you were having to film at all hours that fuck god i don't think i could go through that shit again if someone would give you the alex tikas is the one that actually helped me and was so kind to me and i had 15 minutes during rush hour in New Orleans to get to him, be prepared and take that big old yam of a dick. And, and he was, he set out aside a time for me. And I was like, who, who is this behemoth of a man? And why is he being so nice to me? Because the amount of very famous people that people think are these nice guys would not give me the time of day. Yeah, no, I don't think a lot of people understand what it's like when you're first starting out and you don't have a name and you don't have a following. Like, you know, it's I, demoralizing. I'm still um, on the lower end of a following. So um, now when so, I'm getting those people that straight up like, basically told me to fuck off hitting me up and saying, Hey, would you like to film? No, no, I do not want to film. It's, it's, you know, if you want to book me, that would be great. 
It's uh have you ever seen the movie um what is it? Uh Lord of War with Nicolas Cage? Mm-mm. Uh this is this funny scene in it. But very, very kind of similar situation. He's like just starting out to become an arms dealer and he approaches this big shot guy and this big shot guy is like totally dismissive to him. And then he like builds himself up over the course of the movie and then the big shot guy comes to him. Oh, you know, do you want to work together? He's like, you should go with your instinct, your first instinct. I wasn't good enough for you then. And well, I'm just not good enough for you now. There are really great people in this industry um, who, even if maybe they don't see your potential, um, they are kind enough to give you a shot. Um, And then there there are assholes that think that because they have hundreds of thousands of followers that um, their shit doesn't stink. And that'll be the first one that'll shit on your dick. Yeah, nope. There's there's good ones and there's bad ones. Oh yeah, and you know, majority good, honestly. Yeah, no, I would say I would agree with you. So, what does the future look like for you? Eden Daniels is on the up and up. Um, I'm the type of person that like, if you're paying, I'm coming. Um, so if you know, if there's an opportunity, I do not pass opportunities up. And, um, that served me well so far. Um, and I'm going to be around for a long time. Is there anything you want to do after porn and sex work? You know, I've thought about, like working in addiction, working um, in sexual health, um, advocacy. But um, for the most part, I I focus on um, the now and the next five years, and I try not to stress on um, what the end of this career looks like for me because at at the end of the day, like I'm aware that um, it will come to an end. It's not one of those careers that lasts forever. Um, But I, the way that I plan for my future is a savings, which whoever's watching this, start yourself a savings because um, all good things must come to an end. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, um, this is your opportunity. Anything and everything you want to plug, like your social media, your OnlyFans, all that stuff. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Eden Daniels XXX, um, Instagram Eden Daniels XXX, TikTok Eden Daniels XXX, OnlyFans Eden Daniels XXX. Baby, one name for all of it. You can find me on all platforms, Eden Daniels XXX. Damn, you're actually one of the very few people I've interviewed who is able to get the same name on everything. Half the people got fucking different names all over the place, so good job doing that. And you know, I've had this name since for a really long time, and back in my go-go dancing days and back in you know all those like it's always been Eden Daniels so and you know those old men in the clubs where it's like so loud they're like Ethan you said your name was Ethan like sure sure oh god that's funny yeah well thank you very much uh for spending this time with us um Eden I really appreciate you telling your story and being as open and honest you yeah as open and honest as you were about your addiction and struggles and all that, because I'm sure there's someone watching this who will learn from your story or maybe, you know, go out there and seek help or whatever. And yeah. And I, I really appreciate you having me. Um, Hopefully one of these days we can meet in person and fuck. Yeah, no, I'd love that. You would just need to come to Denver because unfortunately I fucking hate traveling. 
well, you know, um, I lived there, so it is possible for me to come back and visit. Hey guys, just wanted to say thank you for watching this video, and if you did really enjoy it, I just wanted to mention there are two ways that you can help to support this channel. On the right side, there are three little dots. If you click those, there is a super thanks button, and on the left-hand side, there is a join button where you can join this channel. There are three different tiers of memberships. The top tier does actually allow one-on-one -on -one messaging with me via Discord, and I personally answer that it is not a service. That's just, you know, both of those are ways that you can help support me as a content creator in this channel. I mention this because YouTube is by far the thing that I enjoy doing the most. It's the thing I'm most passionate about. And unfortunately, a lot of the sexual videos, the porn star confessions, the dom sub, all that stuff, it is not monetized due to the nature of the videos. But either way, thank you so much for taking the time to watch this. I hope you guys all have an absolutely amazing week. I love you all.